You are listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Caroline Grass, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, WICB news correspondents Michael Memes and Kristen Matry present the third episode of their series focusing on the history of student media at Ithaca College. And we'll be playing an old episode that also dives into the history of IC, but from a different perspective. But first, we have Beck Legato with Community Beat, Jordan Broking with Community Calendar, and George Christopher with this week's Politics Beat. Cornell University graduate after studying dairy fermentation found a way to reuse yogurt acid whey as a product in a hard seltzer. Sam Alkane started to notice that there was a large amount of yogurt whey being wasted, especially with so many dairy plants in the New York State area. He originally thought about making it into a kombucha since there's a similar fermentation process, but eventually decided on creating a hard seltzer instead. It contains a naturally occurring electrolytes and calcium, magnesium, and zinc. The brand began brewing 40 barrel brews and hit Tompkins County shelves at the beginning of April of 2022, trying to provide an enjoyable alcoholic beverage that's, quote, better for you and the environment than some of the alternatives. The process upcycles the acid whey from a disposable byproduct into a beverage through a special fermentation process. The lactose is then fermented out before flavoring from the real fruit that is added. The New York State Court of Appeals issued a ruling that would ignore the recently redrawn congressional and state Senate district lines, in turn flipping the previously New York 23rd district into New York 22nd. The local candidates who petitioned their campaigns to make the ballot for the June primary responded to this decision staying fast in their desires to serve their constituents regardless of who falls into that category, with new lines when drawn. Some of those candidates include Josh Riley, who was the subject of a lawsuit alleging fraud earlier this week, and he responded to the court's decision saying that he has been overwhelmed by support for his campaign since its launch in November of last year. Others have stated that they will continue to run in the district that Onondaga County is eventually placed in. Rocky Acres Community Farm has created a bodega to allow for members of the community to have easier access to food. Rocky Acres focuses on direct-to-consumer sales and doesn't partake in the Ithaca Farmers Market, but has observed the needs in the community that could be better met with the addition of a bodega. During the pandemic, they serviced their customers with deliveries as they didn't have a standing market option at the time, but with the additional space with a bodega, bodega, they are able to work with local farmers of color to stock things that are not produced on Rocky Acres lands like breads, jams, and other meats, and pecans that are typically from Georgia, among many, many other products. I'm Jordan Broking, and here's your community calendar. Kevin James is set to hit the stage tonight at the State Theater in downtown Ithaca. Doors opened just a few moments ago at 7 o'clock, but the show starts at 8 giving you less than an hour to score some last-minute seats for the event. And speaking of the State Theater, the venue's biggest event returns for the first time in person since the pandemic began. 
the Benefit My State Night will take place this Friday at 7 p.m. and will feature performances from Pink Talking Fish and The Comb Down. This is the 12th year in a row that the event has been put together. For tickets and more information, you can visit the State Theatre Ithaca's website. This Friday also marks the 14th annual Spring Rights Literary Festival. Over 40 free literary events will take place, with over 100 local and regional writers also taking part in the festivities. More community events are scheduled to be announced, and the event will run through June. An art night returns to the Modern Alchemy Game Bar this Wednesday night. The event is scheduled to run from 6 to 9 p.m. and will continue its weekly schedule throughout the month. Whether it's drawing or painting, feel free to visit the venue and let your inner artist flow. More information can be found in the Modern Alchemy Game Bar website. And for more local events, be sure to check out the calendar page on Ithaca.com events. I'm Jordan Broking for WICB News. This is your weekly politics beat. I'm George Christopher. On Wednesday, the New York State Court of Appeals threw out the state's congressional and state senate maps saying they were drawn with, quote, unconstitutional partisan intent. According to the New York Times, the maps would have granted Democrats an advantage in both Congress and the state senate. The court will now appoint a special master to draw the state's maps. The decision may have national implications, weakening the chances of a Democratic victory in the House of Representatives in 2022. The maps were rejected in a 4-3 decision. All seven judges were Democratic appointees. First Ward Counselor Cynthia Brock has requested an ethics investigation into former Mayor Savante Myvek. According to the Ithaca Times, Brock called for an investigation into payments made to the co-leads of the Reimagining Public Safety Task Force and the solicitation of funds from outside sources to pay task force members without council approval. Brock also attacked the former mayor's acceptance of pro bono work from the Center for Policing Equity and his time spent as both mayor and an employee of People for the American Way. Myvek denied that he solicited funds and said plenty of council members have day jobs, calling that allegation the, quote, weirdest of them all. Myvek also defended the payments made to volunteer members of the task force, which, according to the Ethical Voice, would violate the city's ethics policies. Brock has been publicly critical of the reimagining public safety process, saying the task force didn't take in enough input from the Common Council or the Ithaca Police Department. The Ithaca Voice reports that Brock's request is being reviewed by the county attorney. Myvek has said he would cooperate with any ethics investigation. William Metro, better known as Magic Man, has been removed from the Republican primary ballot for Ithaca's special mayoral election. According to the Ethical Voice, seven signatures on Metro's designating petitions were invalidated following challenges by fellow Republican candidate Zachary Wynn. Wynn is a local conservative activist and blogger. Incumbent Mayor Laura Lewis is running unopposed in the Democratic primary. The election winner will fill out the final year of the mayor's term. Reporting for Ithaca Now, I'm George Christopher. You are listening to Ithaca Now. I'm your host, Caroline Grass. In the third installment of their series, looking at the history of student media in the Park School of Communications in Ithaca College, WICB news correspondents Kristen Matry and Michael Memes talk about the history of ICTV, Ithaca College's student-run cable TV station. Break, break, 
Hello, and welcome to the third episode of our multi-part series on the history of student media at Ithaca College. This time, it's about ICTV. But, as you just heard, it has not always been called that. For WICB News, I'm Michael Memes. And I'm Christian Matry. ICTV, which was first called WICB-TV at its inception, first went on the air on March 3, 1958, in the basement of what's now the Tompkins County Board of Elections building at 128 East Buffalo Street. In the beginning, WICB-TV struggled with securing adequate broadcasting equipment. At the 50th anniversary of Ithaca College Television, two important early WICB-TV members, Roy Cully and Robert Earle, spoke about this. Well, in, 19, in the uh, mid-1950s, where, when we were the radio department, um, I had had uh, a, a, a little experience in TV, and I knew, everyone knew, that, that television was the coming thing and that, that we would have to have some TV. But television equipment at that time was awfully expensive, and the college was not really in all that good shape, as I recall, financially, uh, coming out of the war and all. And so it was a struggle. Uh, for a couple of years, I, I, we kept saying, golly, let's get some TV equipment. And in those days, um, in, in the absence of equipment... Well, we used what were called Brett's boxes. <clears throat> the Brett's box was a, actually a shoebox. And you cut holes in the shoebox to, to um, signify the different lenses on the camera, and so students would look through the, through the shoebox to, uh, to imagine what the scene would be on the, on the stage. And it was called a Brett's box because it was designed by Rudy Bretz, who wrote the first television production book that I think existed. Uh, but it wasn't too long after that that, that, uh, that uh, better heads prevailed and we were able to get some equipment. Another early issue was with the telephone poles broadcasting their signal. Uh, the, the cables were on the trees out in front of, uh, of the radio shack. And we didn't know that Tony Siracci was going to be such a benefactor for the college. And we snuck up on the trees and connected and stole. You remember stealing the signal yeah. from, from Siracci? And, and uh, uh, later on, when the, uh, the telephone company said, you know, you can't uh, use our poles, Tony Sirachi dug his own telephone pole holes and put the telephone poles up. Remember that? Well, actually, what happened was that it was taken, <laughs> it was actually taken, I think, to the halls of Congress, and uh, the telephone company backed down on its threat to take the cables off of this particular part of the telephone poles. Those cables are now owned by Spectrum Cable, which is why ICTV broadcasts on Spectrum Channel 16. In 1965, the Ithaca Bombers football team was first telecasted on Ithaca College's television station. Games are still being broadcasted today, in addition to other Ithaca athletic competitions, on Bombers Live. 1968 marked the year when the station's call letters were changed to WICB-TV 13, and remained that way until the early 90s. In 1969, WICB-TV 13 moved to Dillingham. Gosa Sagai, who graduated from IC in 1976, is a longtime TVDM teacher at the college, 
and spoke to WICB and discussed the studio in Dillingham. In Dillingham, we had one big studio um, back then, and we have a bunch of, what, what it is really, we had a bunch of, you know, the radio station is there. It's very crowded. I mean, we have films, to, you know, film in here was very, very big in the 70s film. We, everything was uh, Bell and Howell and uh, shooting of those things. Uh, so, uh, and videos start coming in. Um, very, very important. A lot of equipment needs to be uh, portable equipment. Gosa was also one of the first classes at Ithaca College to use their color cameras in 1974. Election Center and Newswatch, the two longest-running currently broadcasted shows in ICTV history, were started in the late 1970s. In the 80s, more shows were started that are still produced today at ICTV, like The Gridiron Report and Big Red Faceoff. 1984 gave ICTV its first teleprompter. In 1989, the Roy H. Park School of Communications opened its doors and ushered in a new era of Ithaca College television broadcasting. The With this new facility also brought a new name. In 1991, ICTV 54 became the station's call letters. In the 1990s, another ICTV staple, Fake Out, was first broadcasted. In 1995, ICTV became the first college TV station to webstream its programming online. And in the turn of the millennium in 1999, ICTV moved its broadcasting channel to 16 on Time Warner Cable. Pete Johans served as a TVDM professor starting in 2002 and was the advisor for ICTV from 2007 to 2012 and saw several changes at the station during that time. Uh, let's see. Well, Studio uh, B's uh, has undergone the most kind of uh, change in that uh, the control room was configured in the other way uh, when I first uh, got here. Uh, and so it was more looking out uh, at the studio, and then we switched it and moved it to the wall. Uh, there was no back row at all uh, when uh, when I got here uh, in either of the control rooms. Uh, so it was just a singular kind of uh, front row uh, that the director uh, had to sit at, as well as the technical director and uh Chiron, op character generator, operator, and audio. And so the control rooms and certainly the equipment in the control rooms, again, our reference monitor walls when I first came here were a bunch of separate TVs uh, that were, and now it's just, you know, one big kind of monitor or a combination of big monitors with digital signals. Uh, here's a big change. Our teleprompter when I, uh, when I first came here was a physical conveyor belt with a camera that was mounted over it and so you would lay your paper scripts onto this conveyor belt and you would turn, uh, turn a knob that would adjust the speed of the conveyor belt. And as the scripts passed under the camera, those were shown on the teleprompter. Uh, so that, uh, that's a, a, certainly a big change. Studio B used to be kind of like Studio A, an empty box. <laughs> uh, and then I had put kind of a semi-permanent set in there uh, when I became the manager uh, just so that we could have a bit more of a backdrop, but it wasn't, it was, it was kind of uh, part of the modular desk that we have now still that still is used. Uh, there was a backdrop that went with that. Uh, and then um, a few years ago, we decided to uh, really upgrade Studio uh, B set. And not that it was modeled after David Muir's set, but it was more designed by the person who did David Muir's set. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, David Muir's set is much more complex yes, uh, than <laughs> uh, than what we have. But again, that really uh, that was a huge change uh, for uh, for us, uh, and I'm thankful to Bob Regan every day for uh, spearheading uh, the uh, the initiative to bring that set in here. 
I want to end this piece with a statement about ICTV from current general manager of television operations, Jeremy Menard. I think the one thing about ICTV to me that is unbelievably special and stands out is the alumni support is just, it's second to none. Um, It is very often during any given semester, if you're in the first floor of the park school, you see someone kind of walking around and pointing at stuff, maybe with a family and you talk to them, it's an alum. And it's someone who mm-hmm. is passing through the area. They're in the Finger Lakes. They happen to be in Ithaca. They're close enough that they made the trek up this way. And all they want to do is show their son or daughter or their wife or, or whoever else is with them. They want to show them where they spent their entire college career. Mm-hmm. When you talk to people at ICTV, so often do you hear people say, I spent my whole life down here. I spent my whole time down here. And, and Michael, you're very much the same. You spend all your time here on the first floor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think that's part of the park school kind of culture. Uh, people here who are involved with TV and radio, they love it and they can't imagine themselves doing anything else. And at ICTV, we really pride ourselves on giving people the opportunity to try things and get involved and to create your own show and be involved and work with others and, and do all of that kind of stuff. So, um, the alumni support is also what makes it great and seeing people come back and think so fondly of their time that they spend here. For WICB News, I'm Michael Memes. And I'm Christian Matry. Continuing on the theme of the history of Ithaca College, here's an episode from a few years ago featuring an interview with ex-president Peggy Ryan Williams about the history of Ithaca College. Thanks so much for joining me in the studio. Could you first start by just introducing yourself? Yes, I'm Peggy Ryan Williams, uh, and I was the president of Ithaca College from 1997 to 2008 and uh, just had a wonderful 11 years here on South Hill. And what are you currently doing? Are you still based in Ithaca? No, I live in northern Vermont and eastern British Columbia. Uh, I am retired, but I'm very active in a few uh, not-for-profit boards and national organizations to continue my interest in certain areas and to keep me uh, keep me lively and out of trouble. Awesome. <laughs> um, so could you tell me more uh, about your visit? What have you been up to on campus so far? Well, I came in, I came to town because of the events of this weekend, but um, I know they'll be busy and I'll see lots of people, but I won't really get to a chance to talk to folks. So I came in on Tuesday in order to spend yesterday and today catching up with friends and colleagues. I'm actually meeting with the president this afternoon because um, once tomorrow starts, we'll be we'll be busy, but we won't really have a chance to visit. Okay, awesome. And then do you have anything, uh, obviously besides Saturday's events, do you have anything planned uh, for... Uh, over the weekend, any like uh, other activities in Ithaca that you're hoping to do? No, I've really been doing those the last couple of days. Had lunch with friends and colleagues and uh, been to the help desk to get some of my technological needs taken care of because <laughs> they're very much a part of my life. And uh, my husband comes in this afternoon. We're having dinner with some friends. And then starting tomorrow afternoon, I plan to be at most of the events, including the football game, which I'll take a break from at some point to go to the MLK Scholars Reception. So it's a, I have a wad of paper for where I'm supposed to be when. Wow, so awesome. it'll be great. So uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, I would love to get to know your perspective on the history of IC more. Um, can you describe what IC was like when you first got to campus um, when you were first here? Um, yes, it was it was an institution in good shape academically and financially. It was well known um, in many circles. Uh, I knew about it from afar. I had never actually been to Ithaca before I came 
for interviews. Um, and it was, you know, founded as a music school, very strong school of communications, but humanities and sciences was the largest school. So it's a very interesting mix of academic programs and disciplines. Uh, and I think like today, majority of students were full-time, majority lived on campus. That's what I was looking for, that intensity of experience where people are really here kind of fully um, fully engaged. And I think the thing that struck me then that still does now is the tremendous respect that students had for faculty and vice versa. I mean, those, those two groups of people just really respected one another, learned from one another, and often sung the praises of one another. Awesome. Um, could you tell me what, uh, what IC was like then in your final years on campus? And if you could talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you, you accomplished uh, that helped shape IC. Well, I didn't, I didn't come planning to do this, but the other day I was noting, I think we built, I think I built seven buildings. I inherited three major projects. The year I arrived, the board had just approved the renovation and expansion of the School of Music, the building of the Center for Health Sciences, which didn't have that name at the time, and the Fitness Center. And all of those things were built in the next 18 months. It looked like, you know, we turned the campus upside down and put it back together. But and then in the capital campaign, we ended up with the A&E Center. It was built after I left, but raised money for it. Uh, the Gateway Building, which became named after me, the School of Business, the center, the uh, General Services Building down, um, you know, by uh, campus safety, et cetera. So um, I didn't really plan on all of that, but it turns out that construction, in order to catch, really to catch up with our needs, it was more catching up with what was happening rather than building for the future, uh, we were trying to catch up with the quality of the programs and the facilities that they needed. Okay. So that's something that I think about a lot. Uh, and then and Circle Apartments. We we added 700 beds apartment style while I was here because we said we were residential and then we couldn't accommodate all of our students. So And having those kind of quasi-independent options where they could be in-campus facilities but pretty much living on their own were very, very attractive to students at the time and, and still are. Okay, awesome. And then is there anything else... Um you want to know uh, just about what you, I guess, feel proud of or things you've Yeah, seen. well, one, one of them is the MLK. We started the MLK Scholars Program while I was here. I'm going to that reception on Saturday because um, I was very proud of us putting that into place and got to know those students. We significantly expanded with help of the Park Foundation the Park Scholars Program while I was here, up to, I think it's either 15 or 20 a year. I forget the number. Um, expanded study abroad programs to have some of these short-term experiences. So if people couldn't go away for a semester, they could go away for three weeks. Um, the LGBT center, we started when I was here and we felt it was really important. And I think it's turned out to be an excellent resource, both for students and, uh, and faculty and staff. So those are, that's kind of a, and we got into, you know, lead building certification and whatnot when I was here big time in terms of uh, the new construction and the standards we wanted to meet. Okay, great. Uh, is there anything about the campus climate that you feel uh, were there any trends uh, while you were there? Well, um, in terms of Alana students, uh, we the numbers when I got here in terms of incoming classes were relatively small. The idea was to try to increase the presence of what some people call minority students. We call them Alana for the different groups. And uh, we made significant progress there, and, uh, and you've continued to do that. Um, and uh, we got up to about 12% of the incoming class. Now I think it's closer to 20 so that was a challenge in terms of us making ourselves attractive to students who he had not historically served. Um, so I think that continues to be something that needs attention, and uh, I think it's getting it. What has changed, in your opinion, about IC uh, from when you left campus and, uh, and ended your term as president? 
Not really sure I could answer that because when I'm here, I'm you know visiting for brief periods of time. Uh, but right now, I'd say there's a great sense of energy. Uh, the year seems to be off to a good start. People are looking forward to all the events of the weekend and the celebration. And uh, you know, a new president comes; it brings with him or her, uh, in this case, her. Um, a sense of, you know, looking to the future. So I think that's, it seems like that's where the energy is, and I think that feels good. Awesome. And I was going to ask, um, is there anything specific uh, that excites you about President Coyado or, I guess, um, things that you uh, that you are expecting to see from her or anything like that? Well, I can't be specific about any of that. We've, we've met once. We've had a few conversations on the phone. Um, we know some people in common, even though we didn't know one another. Um, a very small world of some folks who have been, in our lives, and that's always kind of fun. Uh, and she was in Vermont for quite a while at Middlebury, and we did not, our paths didn't cross there because I was here for the most part. Um, but we know some people in common, and actually she, we share uh, an advisor that I had in graduate school that she had at Vanderbilt. And so it's just fun to meet a total stranger and have these pieces of a small world come together so, so nicely. Wow, awesome. Um, is there anything uh, specifically that you hope for the future of Ithaca College? Um, just any... Any of the points that we we have hit? No, I just I just think you know remaining true to the mission and continuing to be good at it, and uh, you know you're always recruiting new students, recruiting new faculty and staff, and um, I think the college is in a great place to attract good talent uh, at all of those levels, and to just kind of keep doing good work and uh, being committed to uh, that commitment to excellence. Is there anything uh, that I haven't mentioned that you wanted to touch on, just either about uh, the new president or this weekend or your history at the school? No, I think I think we've covered it all. I'm just I'm glad to be here and glad I can participate in uh, in the various events that are going to be taking place. That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on wicb.org, and if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear this show anywhere, anytime. Also subscribe to the latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support and assistance from Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager, Connor Hibbard, and Programming Director, Harrison Kona. Thank you. Ithaca Now is produced by News Director Hermadri Seth with assistance from News Managing Director Jordan Broking, News Production Director Beck Legato, and Social Media and Web Coordinators Emma Kirsting and Inbayini Anbarasan. All of the music from the show's intro and outro come from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday.